welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. So good to see you. I want to say happy Sunday. I can't believe it. And I said this all the time that we're still doing church this way. I'm really, really praying and believing that we're going to have some news soon as to how we're going to approach the fall. Even if, even if we're not able to meet physically, I believe God is going to give us strategy. He's going to give us insight and in how we are to approach the fall differently than in previous the previous seasons. So stay tuned and pray with us, pray for us, that God gives us as a leadership team wisdom to know how to move forward in this next season. And I really believe that God is going to speak. So thank you so much for continuing as a family, as a community, sticking with each other, sticking with us as a house, as a ministry. I'm so thankful. My wife, Michelle, we're so thankful. And uh, we're just believing for continued strength in this community in this season, in Jesus' name. So we're excited about what God is going to do today on this amazing Sunday. I know it's been a little bit hotter than normal, but hey, I'm thanking God that at least we're getting some hot, hot days in August. I know July was a little bit different. Uh, for me anyways, a little bit, a lot different, probably the most different July than I can ever remember. And uh, so I'm thankful for the heat as always. So today we are launching a brand new series called Breaking Through You. Come on, say it, Breaking Through You. I know a lot of us hear this term, breakthrough. Some people don't like it. It's overused, especially in more charismatic circles. But here is the truth. To break through, often the greatest breakthrough that happens when we break through something that we're up against is the breakthrough within our own lives. That's why it's called breaking through you. The things that often we have to break through to break through in the tangible are the things that we have to break through first in the intangible, the mindsets, the inner struggle, the inner things that come against us that don't allow us to push forward. And so we're going to be exploring this over the next several weeks, what it means to break through you. So today we're going to kick it off for the first week of this series, and we're going to speak out of First Peter. Now, just to let you know uh, a little bit about my own journey, there are seasons of my life where I feel like I camp out in specific books of the Bible. You know that we did a series on Jonah. I was camped out in Jonah for months months and months, even before we ever even did a series. As you know, also, we did a series based upon around James. 
I had been camped out in James for quite some time. And we did a series on it, James 4, actually. I was also camped out in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. There was messages, continual messages that aligned with the theme, the overlying theme of 1 and 2 Timothy. Today, and over the next several weeks, even if we don't continue out of this book, today, I want to speak out of a book that we've been, I have been camped out personally for some time now, for quite a long time, and that's 1 Peter, 1 Peter. Well, really 1 and 2 Peter, but I want to highlight 1 Peter. They're amazing, two amazing books near the end of the Bible. I would encourage you to check them out, meditate them. And when I say camp out, just so you know, when I camp out in a book, I'll meditate, even if I'm not reading the whole thing every day, the whole book, I'll camp out on one chapter, one passage, even one verse sometimes for days and days, just meditating on that verse, meditating on that verse, meditating. And often what happens for me is as I meditate even on one verse, it's like a a root that turns in and shoots into many other branches that kind of branches off where all of a sudden I see other scriptures and other passages in the Bible differently from this one verse. Also, one of the ways that I meditate on a verse in the Bible is I'll think on it, I'll think on it over and over and over and over again, and I'll think on it so much, This is, which is a form of meditation, that I begin to see how it directly applies in my current state of living. The only reason why I really camp out in these verses really is because God is speaking to me. And often, whether it's speaking to me for the house or speaking to me directly, and often it's the same thing. Uh, I, I believe this with all my heart that the healthiest the healthiest people on the planet when it comes to what they do are healthy in what they do because they personally are investing in themselves. And the health of what they do is simply an overflow of what God is doing in them personally. So I'm often, and I've heard it said like this before, uh, I'm often feeding you what is always or already feeding me. And so this is where we're going today. So First Peter chapter one, let's go there. If you have a Bible, take it out or you can watch on the screen, 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, the context of this, Peter is writing to what he calls God's elect, God's chosen people, which simply is the church, okay, the ecclesia, the called out ones, those that are following Jesus, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 9 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember this, don't let anybody ever tell you this, if you're a believer in Jesus, the resurrection is not an allegory. There is a whole movement out there that's trying to hit the church with a storm that's saying the resurrection is an allegory. In fact, everything is an allegory. We kind of addressed this in our Jonah series. If you want to go back, listen to it, I'd encourage you to do that. Verse four, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Verse five, who through faith, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. It's very important that we understand biblical faith. Biblical faith, Hebrews defines it in chapter 11 as God's divine persuasion. When you break down Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, we see that biblical faith is God's divine persuasion. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, encourages us to hold up the shield of faith, to hold it up. 
to be so persuaded by God that we got what we need to live the life we're called to live. He says it also in Ephesians chapter one. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. To hold up the shield of faith is to stand strong in the midst of adversary. And it says this, to hold up the shield of faith so that the, you can shield yourself from the fiery arrows from the enemy. You can read it. In addition to all these, he's talking about the full armor of Jesus, what it looks like to walk in the full armor. He says, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil because there's always fiery arrows coming at you, okay? Even though he has no authority, okay, there's all these arrows coming at you. We have what we need to live in Jesus's authority and war off the things that are trying to come against us, the thoughts that war against our soul, the lies that come against us, the insults, the attacks, all these these different things that are trying to get us out of the place and position of faith in Jesus. That's why we need the shield of faith. And so in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he actually, Peter kind of references um, something that Paul encourages the church at Ephesus to do, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation or the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is like sort of the completed work of salvation when Jesus is re when Jesus returns, okay? This is what he's referencing. Verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now, listen to this, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Verse 7. This is where I want to really hone in on. I want to highlight this verse. These have come, so these trials, this grief, this suffering that have come through trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which I loved, I love that that connection, that, that word play there, the genuineness of faith, which means there can be disingenuineness. There can be a disingenuineness to your faith. There can be um, a, a false sort of faith, and there can be a true faith. There's real faith, and there's false faith, okay? So that the provenness or the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you, though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This, These few verses, these six verses, at the core of all of them, faith is at the center. The way that we move through trials, the way that we stand strong in trials, it's through faith, standing strong in the midst of the grief that comes as a result of the trials. Like I said, we hold up faith in times of challenge. It's like a shield, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Now, I said this a second ago, and I'll say it again. We're going to highlight verse 7 of chapter 1, verse Peter, of 1 Peter. These trials will show in the NLT. I love how the NLT, New Living Translation, describes it. It says like this. These trials that we just talked about will show that your faith is genuine. I love it. Is your faith genuine in this season? Can you say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that your faith is genuine? Let me just give you a question to ask yourself. Do you quit? when it's hard? Do you give up when there's opposition? Do you want to give in when there are insults, 
when there is obstacles in front of you, when there are challenges in front of you, do you want to throw in the towel? Or do you throw in the towel? Do you quit your job every time your boss corrects you? Or you have a bad interaction with your boss, or you don't like your, you know, your peer employees, or are you always moving from place to place when things get hard? Well, here's the reality. When we stand strong under trial and we remain under, Hebrews 11 talks about this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Literally meaning this, to be in faith is to stand under God's promises, even when it's hard and not be moved. Okay, so the genuineness of faith really is only proven when you don't want to be in faith because it's hard. There's no genuineness of faith when it's easy. There's no genuineness of faith when your steps are bathed with butter and cream like Job talks about. He's, he was longing when he was going through a hard time. He was in a fiery trial, okay? The arrows were coming at him. He said, he was saying to God, he was crying out when he was in his pain, I long for the days of favor when my steps were bathed with butter. In other words, it was easy. It was easy. But in those moments, faith is not proven. Faith is proven when it's really hard. So I love how the New, the New Living Translation languages it, especially during a pandemic, lots of things going on. I mean, our world is like very divided right now on so many levels, lots of pressure from all sides. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. The Passion Translation, I love how it words it, says this, but these only reveal, these trials, these sufferings, these grief moments, only reveal the sterling, I love this, the sterling core of your faith. And that word for core literally means proven character, the proven character of your faith. I don't think that you can have a faith walk if you don't have proven character. I don't think that, I think faith really is expressed proven character to be strong, to stand steadfast when you don't, when you want to move, but you're not called to move, to stand strong, to be immovable. But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, with it, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes for even gold is refined by a fire. I love this. Your authentic Faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus the anointed is revealed. So today, for the first week of our breakthrough, our breaking through you series is titled, write this down if you're taking notes, exposing the genuine. Exposing the genuine. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to expose the genuine. If there's no awareness of where we are at, we have no ability to move forward. If we don't know where we currently stand, we can't move ahead. That's why the Bible says the word is like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We first have to see where our feet are positioned to know what we need to do to move forward. Okay, so I think it's very important to understand and be aware of our condition, where we're at. I think Holy Spirit wants to, I believe this, wants to expose the genuineness of our faith. He wants us to see where our faith is being groomed to be proven genuine in seasons like we are in right now. And this could be applied in any area of your business. You want to give up. You want to give in. And I think if you know, I think if you've been with us long enough, you know I think one of the core messages of our culture is a faith that keeps on, a faith that perseveres. It's always going to be, I mean, the, the core message of the gospel 
is a faith that perseveres. Without faith, without faith, without Jesus modeling it, he wouldn't have gone to the cross, okay? So faith is everywhere. Faith is at the core of our salvation, to believe. Jesus said the only work you have to do is to believe in the one who he sent. Faith is at the core of everything we do. You have, of course, love, faith, hope, and love, but I'm talking about this is, we, if we don't have faith, we have nothing. Okay, I mean, it takes faith to believe, be persuaded by God that we are first loved, and to know that we are first loved, then we love. John, first John talks about this. He first loved us, and therefore we're able to love. So we're talking about exposing the genuine, and my subtitle, which I really want to hone in on, because I feel like this whole passage is centered around this idea of trial triggers, okay? Trial triggers. Now, in this, this word trials, or in this, what he was referencing, what Peter was referencing, talking about the grief that has come, that is, you've been suffering from grief because of these trials. He's actually speaking, okay, Peter is speaking of believers suffering difficulties and persecutions. And he actually references this four separate times in the first book of Peter. And I'm actually gonna reference all of these times. I've already referenced one part, the first part, where Peter addresses it, he opens it up, talks about how these are happening, and you shouldn't be surprised, these are happening to prove your faith genuine. But there's three other times that he references, and then we're gonna go there in just a few moments just a few moments. But the thing is, I, I want to just say this because, and I've, you've heard me say this before, probably, faith is not ignoring the facts. Faith is facing them, okay? I think a lot of people, often, a lot of us, a lot of people just in the faith community, we, you know, we believe in, in positive declaration. We believe in, in prophesying into the potential of humanity, into the potential of our future. We believe in, you know, being positive in every area of our life and walking in faith and stepping out in faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. I mean, we preach this, we teach this, we believe this. And it's very easy sometimes to be living in a current reality and yet try to ignore it and pretend that it's not there, all the while saying we're walking in faith. Faith is not ignoring the realities around you. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Faith is simply facing them head on. Faith is facing them head on. And so I want to unpack, I want to unpack the different, um, the, I want to unpack how trials trigger certain, um, certain outcomes in our life today. Three specific outcomes. Trials will trigger certain outcomes and all these I, this is the thing. I, I believe these trials that are triggering us, I believe, are all about proving the genuineness of our faith, exposing the genuineness of our faith. I mean, I'm going to highlight the positive, more of the positive side of, of, of how trials will trigger us, but there's always a negative side. To every positive, there is a negative, okay? So we're talking about this talking about how these trigger us, these trials will trigger us. Number one, trials will trigger the way we react. Write that down. Trials will come, trials will happen, they happen in our life, and they will often trigger the way we react. First Peter chapter three, okay? This is another time where Peter is referencing the trials, the persecutions, the sufferings that are bringing grief. First Peter chapter three, verse 13 to 17. Why would anyone harm you if you're passionate and devoted, if you're passionate and devoted to pleasing God. But even if you happen to suffer for what is right, 
because there's a difference between suffering for what is right and suffering for what is wrong. Like doing something stupid and then suffering for it is very different than suffering for what is right. But even if you happen to suffer for what is right, you will have the joyful experience of the blessing of God. Okay, so there is a positive, amazing outcome for suffering, for having going through grief, for standing for what is right, okay? Having a proven character, being persuaded by God, being unmovable in faith. There is a blessing from God that comes on you and you will experience for suffering for what is right. It says this, and don't be intimidated or terrified by those who would terrify you. Are there people around you right now, situations, circumstances, your job, your new career, things that are happening around your world that are trying to terrify you right now? Maybe you're going to make a big step of faith and you're, you know, you're working with the bank right now to launch a new business and you're terrified. People are telling you, you're going to you're going to fail. You're going to lose it all. You're going to go bankrupt the first year. Are you sure you want to do this? And you feel faith, but you also feel the terror, you know? What's happening in your life? Listen to verse 15. But give, this is what I want to I want to hone in on right now on this chat, on this passage, but give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. Give reverent honor in your heart. So number one, the way we react. How are we reacting when things around us are terrifying us? How are we reacting when it feels like suffering and grief? How are we reacting when these trials are triggering us every day, things that we're living through. How are we reacting, okay? Are we giving reverent honor to God, realizing that he's still Lord, he's still king? Or are we reacting to the situation, to the people, to the circumstance, to our family, to our friends? What is the outcome of our reaction? What's happening right now in our lives? I want to continue reading. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. Verse 16, with gentleness and respect, maintain, I love this, a clean conscience so that those who slander you for a living, for living a pure life for a living, those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ will have to lie about you and will be ashamed because of their slander. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it is in God's plan than for doing evil. Okay, once again, we're talking about suffering for doing good, not going through challenges because you were doing stupid things, okay? But I love this because it says here, maintain a clean conscience because those that will insult you, slander you, things that will come against you, people that will whisper in your ear, you're not gonna make it. You're gonna be a failure. You always were a failure. Those who are slandering you or insulting you or tearing you down, because you've maintained a clean conscience, because you're doing what God's called you to do, okay, they will end up having to lie about you. They don't even know they're lying about you. They don't even, they won't even realize it, have to lie about you because there's nothing truthful to say against you that actually is legitimate enough to actually come against you. That makes sense, okay? So be you. Keep on moving. Keep on advancing and watch what God does through you. I wrote this down because it's true and I feel like I, I have to address it. We have three reactions often when trials trigger us. It's to God, it's to people, and to our situation. 
Okay, so I think there's three different layers of our reaction. In this specific layer, we see Peter talking about reacting to uh, the reverent awe and fear of God in a holy way, like responding this way. But give reverent honor, verse 15, in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. Because when we react negatively without honor, we treat the world like the world is our master. We treat the situation like the situation is our master. We treat the grief, like the grief and the suffering is our master. When we react to God and give reverent honor to God, we treat him in the midst of trial, in the midst of being triggered, in the midst of overwhelming fear, we give God honor. And that's where God wants us to be positioned. I remember a time, you know, when I speak out of, when I, when I teach this stuff, when I'm meditating, I'm speaking out of my own life. I've had many, many seasons where I've lived through situations where I've had the opportunity to react in a bad way, where my whole life could have been derailed or react in a positive way. Just like Peter is saying, where I've had to choose to give reverent honor and re and make sure that in the midst of my trial where I'm being triggered, I'm giving honor to God. Because sometimes the natural response is to give honor to man in a negative way by engaging in a war that isn't ours to fight. Because remember, Ephesians chapter six says it, Paul says it, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people in the end. Yes, we react to people, but the war is not against people, okay? We're growing constantly. We're breaking through things in our own lives through these moments. We're being triggered so we can advance. We're being tested so we can get stronger. We're being um, challenged so that the genuineness of our faith can be more legit than it was in the previous season. And I remember in the very beginning of my journey, man, like there was hard things that happened. And hard, things that I look back now and I'm like, I outside of the grace of God, like I'm amazed that it didn't totally derail me. Like I watch people now, like as a pastor, as somebody who's in ministry, as somebody who's discipled many people, mentored many people, led many people, I'm amazed and I watch like statistical, like the statistical, I don't even need actual data because I have actual experience. I watch people and I watch what happens to people when a few little things happen. And I watch how derailed those people get. And I and I and I and I see like the outcomes. And man, like they don't even maybe believe in God anymore because of A, B, and C happened to them. I look at situations in my own life, in my beginning stage of my journey. And without that six months that I spent with God building foundation, praying four to eight hours a day, studying the Bible in my bedroom. Somebody asked me the other day, Sean, where did you go to Bible school? I said, my bedroom. He's like, what do you mean? I said, my bedroom. He's like, oh, you did online school? I'm like, no. I studied four to eight hours a day by myself in my bedroom and then went and lived it out. That was my Bible school. I'm not knocking Bible school. But I was saying to him, like, listen, like, I, I would literally spend hours and hours on my own initiative studying and studying and studying, writing out scriptures for hours and hours a day, studying, building, like, a, a, almost like a repertoire of, you know, the things that God was speaking to me and then figuring out, okay, now how do I live this out? That was my Bible school. That was the disciples' Bible school. Yes, they were trained, and Paul 
the apostle who wrote the majority of the New Testament had a very specific training, but in the end, the most powerful part of his training was the living out of the gospel, living out his faith in the everyday. And so it's, you gotta, it has to go from theory to life experience, or it's just head knowledge, and you're no different, or no different than the Pharisees who Jesus rebuked all the time because it was, they had it all here, but they had no experience here. And so real faith is taking what you believe and making it a reality in your life. And so I remember, like, if I didn't have that six months four to eight hours a day. I mean, obviously it's never stopped, but there was a specific time frame where it was insane and uh, a lot different. I, I don't know if I would have been able to make it through some of the challenges that happened right after. Within the first two to three years of my journey in God, I remember I would be I, I in a church that I was in, I'd be sitting in board meetings uh, with board members, basically challenging me and telling me that there was no way I could be so confident of what I believed when they've had 40 years, you know, journeying, you know, journeying this journey, and I've had like two, two to three years. There's no way. And maybe they're 100% accurate. Maybe I shouldn't have been so confident. I just know that faith is confidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, chapter one and two. I mean, focus on that for a second. Faith is something that we're so persuaded by. It looks like to the world often, maybe could be interpreted as arrogance. Maybe to the healthy person, it can be interpreted as confidence. Whatever the case may be, I would sit in these moments with many board members, actually all of them that had been saved, like literally walking with God, walking with God, whatever that means for them, okay? Walking with God longer than I had been alive at that point. And here I am as a fairly new believer. I'm traveling, I'm mentoring people, I'm being given opportunity around the world to speak. I'm I, I'm doing, I, I've developed my first school on hearing the voice of God. Like I'm, I'm working at what God's called me to do. And here I am being challenged, saying that like what I'm doing is not of God. And I remember like just going in there, going in there and God telling me, I want you to honor me by not reacting. I want you to honor me, like Peter was saying, by not responding. I want you to honor me by not sharing like insult for insult. Like when they come against you and they attack you, don't attack back. Don't respond. Don't react. I mean, in a sense of don't respond in a negative way, like honor. Honor, honor the elders, honor the leaders, even if we had major disagreement. And it was all doctrinal disagreement, by the way, okay? So it was all doctrinal disagreement. Even if we had doctrinal disagreement, I was to honor like Peter said. And I'm telling you, because I did that, because I didn't change insult for insult, because I chose the way of honor, God lifted me up, God honored me. God lifted me out of that situation stronger than when I went into that situation. And I look back at those moments and I'm like, I've had many moments. I mean, I've had literally like elders in a city write a 40 page document about one of my schools telling me how basically how undoctrinal it was, demonic it was, and this was publicly shared with a massive community in our city. And I went through that and I love that community. I love all those leaders. We had a disagreement, but I'm thankful for moments like that. And I'm giving you the Coles, the very, very brief loving Coles notes, okay? Uh, moments like that were, I believe, what gave me um, 
the the insight and the understanding of what it looks like to honor in the midst of conflict, what it looks like to hold my tongue, what it looks like to walk with a heart of character in moments where I don't want to be in a heart of character. I mean, I want to tell you straight, like in the flesh, lash out. I want to fight back. I'm a fighter. Like, let's let's do this. But that's not how the kingdom works, right? That's not how God wants us to operate. There are fights that just aren't our fights and fights that actually will never be won because humanity is actually involved. And so I love this first part of 1 Peter chapter 3, but give reverent honor in your hearts. Remember that God is, he is king. He is the master of your life. Number two, how we rejoice how we rejoice, how we respond is very important when there's trials that trigger us, how we rejoice. We can either rejoice in the negative by wallowing in it or rejoice in the mindset of all the good that comes within our relationship with God. Now, let me let me read uh, this next chapter, chapter four, verse 12, okay? This is the third moment where Peter addresses the suffering, the trial, the triggers, right? Beloved friends, if life gets extremely difficult with many tests, don't be bewildered as though something strange were overwhelming you. Instead, continue to rejoice. I love it. So we respond with reverent honor. And then he's like, guys, don't be surprised that this stuff's happening. Like, don't be surprised at the slander, at the opposition, at the challenges. You know, you can't break through in your business. You can't break through in your family. Don't be surprised of the things standing in front of you. God's doing a breakthrough in you. He's proving the genuineness of your faith. He's strengthening your character. So don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you or overwhelming you. Instead, rejoice. rejoice. Are we rejoicing in the fact that God is good? Or are we rejoicing in the negative and wallowing in our self-pity by looking at all the things that are really hard right now and saying, woe is me, I suck, I'm never gonna make it, this is always gonna happen, this is never gonna ha- stop, this is never, it's always gonna continue. Like, where, where is the position of our heart? Are we rejoice? says this, instead continue to rejoice. For you, listen to this, in a measure, have shared in the sufferings of the anointed one so that you can share in the revelation of his glory and celebrate with even greater gladness. For you in a measure, maybe, yeah, you haven't suffered to the point where you, death on a cross, you haven't suffered, you haven't been whipped 39 times with your insides and your organs exposed like Jesus. But in measure, every time you come under um, suffering or you come under many tests that are extremely difficult, and maybe you're struggling, like Peter says, with being bewildered and like like surprised that this is happening. Every time you come under that, he says, continue to rejoice because in some way you have shared, you're sharing, you're connecting. The word is literally communing. You're communing, like communion, with the sufferings of Jesus so that you can share in the revelation of his glory and celebrate with even greater gladness. Now, I love this verse, verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are greatly blessed because the spirit of God and power, or spirit of glory, the spirit of glory and power, who is the spirit of God, rests upon you. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ. And I think that this 
I feel like and I, I, Peter almost should be saying, when you are insulted for the name of Christ, because if you're actually living out the gospel and you're actually, you know, living on mission and you're taught and Jesus is the center of your attention, a hundred percent, you will be insulted for the name of, of Christ that you represent. It will happen. It should be happening. Verse 15, let none of you merit suffering as a murderer or thief or criminal or as one who meddles in the affairs of others. So if you're suffering because of any of those things, okay, that's not the suffering we're talking about. Those aren't the trials we're talking about. We're talking about being insulted, suffering for the name of Christ that you represent. Not about because you murdered somebody because you're a thief, a criminal, or you're meddling in the affairs of others. Verse 16, if you suffer for being a Christian, don't consider it a disgrace, but a privilege. Glorify God because you carry the anointed one's name, Jesus, okay? And I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was actually ministering in Alberta, which actually felt like the land of the free. Coming back to Ontario, it was like I was living, literally living in a different country. In Alberta, no restrictions, speaking, packed, uh, you know, meetings, shoulder to shoulder, no masks inside, no social distancing. I'm talking about like, it was just amazing. Laying hands on people, incredible. And yes, no, I don't have COVID, okay? Um, but anyways, it was an amazing time. God moved, was speaking to some business leaders out there and then also at church. And one, one of the nights when I was, or actually I think it was the morning, um, I kept, this theme kept coming to me in the message. And it was, when you add faith to your pain, you find purpose. Because often grief feels like pain, like we're talking about suffering or trials, tests. It, they're, they're, they're all painful at some level. They're, they have a different like level of pain attached to, the, to all of them. When you add faith to your pain, you find your purpose. And what I mean by that, and what I meant by that is, when you can begin to see, because we walk by faith, not by sight, when you can begin to walk forward and move forward, even through and in the midst of pain, you end up realizing the purpose of the pain. You end up realizing the great purpose that the pain actually has. Pain has a way of developing you stronger. Just like pain in, and I'm use, always use this as an analogy because I, you know, I do this, but like when you're working out, when you're building muscle, if it doesn't feel painful ever, you will not be able to grow muscle, okay? You, you, won't, you won't grow muscle. If you don't tear the muscle, you will not grow the muscle. So in other words, without pain, there's no gain. You've heard it said, makes me cringe many times. No pain, no gain. It's true. Without pain, there's no gain. So when you can apply and bring faith into the midst of pain where you can see through it and see beyond it and see the value of it, you end up realizing the purpose within it all. And so when you add faith into your pain, you will find purpose. I, I was talking to a, an amazing leader friend uh, just, just a few days ago, and we had an amazing chat, and he said this statement that he had heard from another you know great leader, and it really just like hit me. He said this, and it connects with this whole message. He said, God will elevate you to the pain you are willing to endure. Think about that for a second, let it sink in. God will elevate you to the pain that you are willing to endure. Like how much pain are you willing to endure? And if you could put faith in the midst of that pain, you, could re you would realize that, wow, if I can continue to endure through this, 
there is a whole other level of breakthrough on the other side. But I first have to break through me. I have to break through my own limitations. Because when you're working out, the mind often gives up before the body. Or even other, other way around, depending on the scenario. The body might feel like it's giving up, but if the mind can stay strong, the mind can help push the body. Whatever the case may be for you, one part, both parts don't usually give up at the same time. And so this is, this is such an important truth. Think about for a second the bankruptcies that you've gone through, the business challenges that you've had, the failures, the disappointments, failed marriages, failed relationships. Think of all the negative just for a second. I don't want to major on that. Think of all the challenges, all the tests, all the trials, wanting to give up. Maybe you did give up, but you're back. Think of all the things that are going on right now or went on in your history. Think of all of it for a second. If you can and you did get through that and didn't throw in the towel, didn't give up, I guarantee you, you can trace some of the promotion, some of the elevation, some of the breakthroughs that you had prior to that, to the fact that you didn't give up, to the fact that you didn't give in. I wonder how many breakthrough moments we've missed because we gave up prematurely. All of us have given up prematurely in something, in some way. Could be in little things, could be in big things, could be in medium-sized things. We've all given up at some level in some way. And we regret it. And God doesn't want us to live in regret. But God wants to teach us what real faith is. And real faith is only proven genuine when it's under trial, when it's being tested. God will elevate you to the pain you are willing to endure. In that moment when he said that, I was like, you know what? I'm like... It's a dangerous, dangerous statement. I'm like, bring on the pain. Like, I don't want it, <laughs> but I'm like, bring it on. Because I mean, if I know that I'm going to get bigger, stronger, break, and I'm going to break through, and I can have a confidence that I'll make it to the other side. I mean, there's pain that you don't want, okay? Let me just make it very clear. Pain that you don't want, and there's pain that you do want, okay? And that's where we have to have faith to see, okay, is this pain that's coming because of me doing what I'm supposed to do? Or is this pain that's coming because me doing what I'm not supposed to do? That's the challenge, okay? That's why there's like, there's a negative pain and there's a positive pain. But then he continued to say this and it really hit me. He said, he said to me, he said, uh, pain will always release a payday. That's what we want. In the end, we want the payday for our pain. We want the payday, the other side, the breakthrough. When we break through the things that are stopping us from the inside from moving forward, when we break through you, me, when we see the inner breakthrough happen, pushing through the pain, guess what? There is an expect, there's an expectation of a great payday on the other side. And like I said, like through all my journey, I've had these pivotal moments, even as a new believer, and some of these things that I'm sharing may not even be that big on a scale of pain, but in those seasons and in those moments, they were for me as a new believer. I remember it was like just not too long after that last experience I shared with you when I was a brand new believer, maybe two to three years in the faith. I could have been derailed. I mean, leaders in my life, you know, coming at like just crazy, crazy time. And honestly, you know, I God bless them all. I've had interactions with all of them years later. And, you know, there's no hard feelings, but it's it's a challenging time when you're a young believer and 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 there's opposition all around all the time. But it actually strengthened me. But I remember just not too long after that, I remember I was at a wedding, maybe like three a year after that, two years after that. 
I was at a wedding and uh, with some of that crew of people that didn't have much affinity for my doctrine. Let's just put it that way. I uh, at this wedding and uh, with a whole bunch of people that, you know, I, I had leadership in their lives over, uh, you know, I was mentoring, investing in great little community. You know, there was kind of a little bit of a, a divide of, you know, the one community and the other community. Anyways, without saying it, I'm just going to go into the story. And uh, I remember like I was outside and this gentleman came outside. I was with all these people that I was very close to. And he stood up, this is at a wedding, and he yelled at the top of his lungs and began to insult me and say that what I was doing was taking people down a wrong path and I was a false prophet, false teacher, and, you know, like my doctrine was wrong and you know, God is not real like that. And, you know, the, really the, the divide was that he didn't believe that you could experience God today. Like he was just this sort of iconic disconnected, um, divine figurehead that, you know, had a bunch of rules and we were to follow them. Whereas I was coming at it from a relational standpoint and he didn't like that at all. And so he, he went off insulting me in front of all these people. And it, and you know what, once again, God told me don't insult back. And I remember taking that walking away and just, just taking it and realizing this is part of the journey. This is part of my faith being proven genuine. Am I going to attack back? Am I going to let it derail my faith because someone doesn't like me? The reality of it is if you want to be a leader that's doing anything in life, not everyone's going to like you. And you got to accept that. I remember walking away after that experience, walking alone on this path through this field. It was pitch black at night and just praying. And just honoring God and thanking God that, you know, God brought me along on this journey and I'm here and I'm here for the long haul. Whatever comes my way, I'm standing strong. And moments like these continued to uh, affect and impact the foundation of my faith. And so I had to rejoice, just like Peter was saying in those moments, rejoice that every time I may be insulted, every time I may have moments like this, I'm sharing a little bit in measure into the suffering of Christ, into the suffering of Christ. So genuineness of faith is exposed when trials trigger the way we react. Number two, how we rejoice. Number three, the last point before we close, and that's the risks we take. We have the way we react, the how we rejoice, and the risks we take, or I would add, or continue to take. Now, I know for me sometimes, trial, pain, disappointment, which I would clump all together in sort of the same category, definitely can have an effect on the risks I continue to take or cease to continue. Because once you have skin in the game, you've lost a lot. Maybe you've lost a little, lost much. You've been hurt. You've been backstabbed, trash-talked. I mean, anything that may be challenging to overcome without healing and perspective— it definitely can rob you of continuing the faith journey when it comes to what I would call more risky faith steps. For example, you, you step out, you feel like God's called you to start this business. You do it, you know, and you do it with amazing people. And you think like it's the most amazing setup. You and these people, like you're totally unified. You launch this business. You believe it's the right thing. It doesn't go well. You first two years, you close it down. Your relationships with those other people are destroyed, divided, doesn't work out. You're disappointed, but you had faith to move in. Now the second business opportunity comes, you're a little more apprehensive. You've learned some things. You've lost something. 
you're a little more nervous. Should I do it again? What if I lose it all again? I know some of the most successful people that I know out there that I know personally have lost so much in their life, have failed over and over and over and over again. But the thing that separates them from everybody else that stays where they are is they don't give up. They keep on trying. They keep on taking risks. They keep on stepping out. Now, of course, there's wisdom, and you learn wisdom as you go, but they don't give up. That's the only thing that separates them is they didn't quit. They persevered through. And so with healing, with, with moving through, having strong community around you, when you're in a space like this of extreme disappointment, one of the only ways you get out, I mean, outside of the grace of God, of course, but it's the grace of God found in community. People supporting you, cheering you on, championing you, counsel in your life, mentoring in your life, leadership in your life. The only way you get out of a pit is if someone pulls you out of a pit. Joseph, who was in a pit, didn't just get out. Someone had to pull him out. We, we often think, oh, God's just gonna do it all. Yes, God can do it, okay? I, I, I'm a firm believer God can do anything. He's sovereign. But he also puts people in our life to help us do it, to help us move and to help us uh, get stronger as a result of failure and disappointment. But 1 Peter 5, which is the fourth time that Peter really addresses this trial-triggering suffering, okay? It says this, verse 9, take a decisive stand against him, and resist his every attack with strong, speaking about the enemy, Satan, okay? Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. Not a passive faith, because faith is never passive. Strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. I mean, I have friends around the world that are experiencing a way different level of like suffering and challenge. Like this pandemic, in Ontario, it's been challenging. There are other people that are in prison that are being beaten for their faith. Their churches are being bore, uh, burnt down. There's a whole other world of suffering that in Ontario, we haven't experienced much of, if not at all. So, you know, you can't compare in the same way, but we, we all are going through our own little struggles, you know? Someone doesn't like you on social media. Someone doesn't like you, you know, in your job. Someone, your boss is mad at you. Like, that is so small, not to diminish your experience, but so small in the comparison of somebody literally about to die for their faith. It's a very different comparison. But Peter is saying here, take a decisive stand. And that word literally means to be active, in opposing the resistance. It means to be active in opposing the resistance. It means to be firm and solid in your ability to be active in opposing resistance. And so, you know, trials really do trigger our ability to want to continue taking risks or even anything at all. We don't want to risk anything because we're so afraid because this trial is so hard. I don't want to lose again. I don't want to go through this again. I remember like, man, even in this is a small little thing, but going in church culture, like, you know, going from one service to two services, then back to one service, and then one service to two services to three services. I remember like we had already been at two services, went back to one uh, for specific reasons at one time in, in our, our church culture, not because it was it, we were losing, it's because we wanted it to be more like more vibrant, more full. We wanted to uh, it to be less spread apart. Wanted to have longer services. 
Then through time, we began to readjust some things, went from one to two, and that was challenging. And God said to me, I want you to go from two to three, and I like fought it. I'm like, our team's gonna push back. You know, what if they don't want to? It's too much, you know, they're gonna feel like it's just too much, you know. They're already committing to two services. How are we gonna do it? We don't have enough team members, all these kind of things, right? Like all my excuses, right? Excuses, excuses, excuses. But I really felt God was saying, go to three services. And uh, it was a time of growth in our church. This is back when we had our building and uh, I fought it and I kind of ignored it. I think probably for a good month and a half, two months. And I was in worship one day and God literally said to me, why are you ignoring me? I've told you to stretch the tent and go to three services. And it was a big step and there was pushback. There was like, how are we gonna do this? But here's the thing. Taking a risk is not without its pushback. Taking a risk is not without its challenges, without its fears. It's okay to process your fears. Like, how is this gonna work? I can't, you know, and often the things that God calls us to do, we can't actually do. And that's why we're called to lean on him in faith, to trust that he can do it through us. That's the, that's the gospel message. I am strong because of him. And so we ended up doing it, but I, I felt like if I look back at that process, I know that because of all the different things that happened over the years, all the different trials, all the different things, tests, pressures, you know, pushbacks sometimes, it made me a little gun shy, no pun intended with the whole triggers message, but it made me a little gun shy of, of stepping and stretching the tent even more beyond which, where we were at. But God had to come and literally put it on my heart again, remind me, basically rebuke me. I felt like he rebuked me. I'm ign I was ignoring him because of fear. Because this is what this is what happens. This is what trials do. They put often try to put fear in us from taking the risks or continuing to take the risks that we're called to take. And when we take the risks, what are we? What we are doing is we are taking, like the Bible says in verse nine of chapter five, a decisive stand against him to resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. I say this to say, this is a season where some of you who are watching need to take some new risks. There are risks in front of you that you've been pondering. You're afraid of losing again. You've lost it all before. You're afraid of losing it all again. You're afraid of stepping out because of what might happen. This trial that you're facing right now might be triggering fears and anxieties. This is a season to stand strong with vigorous faith. And as you do that, you are literally standing against the enemy's fear in your life. And you begin to, I, 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 I honestly be, I believe you begin to move forward through just standing strong with that vigorous faith. You begin to move forward through his attack and you will make it to the other side in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want to pray for you as we close. The three things that I really feel that I just want to go over again to highlight are the three points that the way we react is very important when trials trigger us. And to remember that the way we react really is an exposure of the genuineness of our faith. The way or how we rejoice. Are we rejoicing in the negative or the positive? How we honor God, how we rejoice in the season of trouble or in the test really is an exposure of the genuineness of our faith and how or with the risks that we take or continue to take really are an exposure of the genuineness of our faith. Are we letting fear rob us from faith or are we letting faith lead the journey? As we close, I wanna pray for everyone that's listening right now. Anything that I said, if you feel like it's connecting to your world. The part of the reason why I share personal stories is to bring you into my personal journey. Um, uh, without, 
you know, a journey, I wouldn't be able to teach and share what I share without having the experience of things and how that connects with the word. I love the word, but I love when the word comes alive and I'm able to apply it to my life. That's what real faith looks like in the end is application. It's application of everything we believe to be true. And 100% believe the word of God to be true for our lives today, presently, not just back in the day at one point or for the future alone, but for today. And if you're watching today and you just feel like anything has ministered to you or spoken to you in a way, I want you to just to reach out your hand wherever you are. Maybe you're going through a major trial right now in your marriage your family, your kids, your job, your workplace, friends, peer group, the community you're a part of, the business you're in, whatever the case may be, your career, some sort of like pivotal moment of crazy decision that you're about to make, but you're afraid. Whatever the situation you may find yourself in, you're being triggered, you're responding, you're reacting. Maybe you're not rejoicing the way that you could or should. Maybe you're 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 just bound by the fear of, what if you take this risk and you lose it all? I want to pray for you right now. Just lift your hands up. God, I pray right now for faith to overwhelm them. A faith that they don't have to conjure up, but a faith, a real persuasion from God that you are good, that you've got them, that you will be with them every step of the way. A faith that declares over their lives that they will be victorious. A faith that declares over their lives that in the midst of failure, they will still have, and they still have an amazing future. God, I pray that right now you'd overwhelm them with your presence. I pray that you'd strengthen them right now. Everyone watching right now, strengthen them, God. I pray that in this season that you'd expose in all of us the areas where you're trying to prove our faith genuine because there's many areas of our faith that are is constantly being refined. And these trials and these challenges are like the crucible for faith. It's where... Faith that's that's so precious, but more precious than gold is refined. Gold is refined in the fire. All the, the junk is taken out in the fire. I pray that in this season, God, where there's junk, unbelief, doubt, things that are trying to rob us of the faith journey, that God, you would pull it out, take it out in Jesus' name. Even faith is about who we are. About the fact that, you know, we are God's loved, that God loves us. He has a plan for our lives, that we are sons and daughters of God. Faith that says, I believe in who you say I am, God. Not only do I believe in who you say you are, but I believe in who you say that I am. I'm loved by you. You have a plan for my life. I am a son. I am a daughter. I'm identified with Christ, not the world, not the things that are going on around me, the addictions, the challenges. I'm identified as someone who is interconnected in relationship with you, who has an inheritance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray that God, today you would remind us of who we are and whose we are in Jesus' name. God, thank you for miracles in our bodies, our minds, our souls, God, our emotions. We need a miracle, God, because we're, we're breaking through areas of our own life before we break through areas around our life. There are things that we want breakthrough in. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's, you know, 
our marriage, our family, our, our relationships, whatever it is, and we want those things to happen. But sometimes they won't happen until there are inner changes in us, breaking through us, breaking through you. My prayer, God, today is that some things in our mind, things in our heart would break down so we could break through in Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching today, you've never said yes to Jesus. I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus literally lived through everything Peter was talking about in this passage, all these passages that I shared today in 1 Peter. Jesus literally went through everything. He was led to the slaughter like a sheep, didn't say a word. He was insulted. He was abused. He was whipped. He didn't fight back. He knew that he had to go through this to save humanity. Some of the things that we go through literally that we go through. We go through them so we can be a better version of ourselves to help humanity, to be a better leader, to help those that need a leader, to be a better mentor, to help those that need a mentor, to be a better mother or father, to help those that need a mother or a father. We go through things to make us better. And I think this is the message of the gospel. I know this is the message of the gospel. Jesus went through all these things so that you could have a better life, discover the real version of who you were always created to be. And if you're if you're watching right now from wherever you're watching from and you would say, I've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you're sitting on the fence of your faith, I wanna give you an opportunity today. It's real simple. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. All you have to do is connect your heart, your faith, your, 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 the most inner part of your life, the most precious part of your life, the thing that motivates your life, the thing that moves your life with your confession. God, I believe. I want to be in. I want to be in a relationship with you. I believe you're God. I believe you're Lord, and I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day, and I want to connect with you. I want to spend eternity with you, but not even just that. I want to know you now as friend. I want to know you now as leader. I want to know you now as the king over my life. If you said that or you want to open your life to that right now, I would encourage you just to throw your faith out there today, even through the camera, and say, I'm in. I'm saying yes, I agree, I want Jesus at the center of my life. If you did that and you meant it, I wanna encourage you to email the email on the screen, let us know or text the number, whatever the case may be. We would love to get in touch with you, pray for you, be there to support you and help you with whatever you need along on your new journey in Jesus' name. Kingdom Culture, we love you. That's it for this week. Join us next week. Make sure to listen to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, an amazing conversation, especially if you're in the marketplace. I'd encourage you to listen to it. God bless you, Kingdom Culture. We'll see you next week. Well, guys, this is it for this experience. Amazing first part of breaking through you this new series i hope you're encouraged share this message if you didn't see your friend in the chat go and share this message with someone mm -hmm. and i hope you really enjoy we're touched by this message and we wish you an amazing week yes have an amazing week guys we'll see you next sunday bye, bye.